0: Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, GetPuroAir.com. I'm Stephanie Safarian, and this is episode 117.
1: You are listening to the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a show about living simply and sustainably with your family. Here's your host, Stephanie Safarian.
0: Hello there, friends, and welcome back. On today's show, we are discussing coronavirus through a very wide lens. Now, I am all about the big picture. And when I sit back and when I look at the big picture as it is related to this pandemic, I first find myself asking some big picture questions about life within my own home right now. And I also find myself wondering, of course, whether there are some big-picture lessons that we can learn as a species from this pandemic and relate them to climate change. Now, if none of this makes any sense, stay with me. (laughs) First on today's show, we are talking about the big-picture concerns on the home level. There are a lot of articles online these days about small-picture issues, like how to keep your kids entertained and how to multitask when you're working from home, and homeschooling. I'm not tackling these small picture issues today, mainly because I'm still trying to figure them out on my own. (laughs) Instead, we are tackling the big picture home issues. And I have invited a yoga instructor and mindfulness guru on to help answer those big picture questions, like how exactly we can go with the flow in our own homes when our worlds have been turned upside down, or how is it possible, or even if it is possible, to go into the unknown with smiles on our faces. I have a few other wide lens questions that I am asking Kathy in our mini interview today that I've been thinking about, and perhaps you have too. So that's act one of the show. Act two of the show, part two, we are talking about the big picture concerns on a global and an environmental level. Planet Earth is home to every single one of us. And in part two, I am offering up both the research as well as my personal thoughts on how coronavirus is actually improving the health of our biggest home, planet Earth. I find myself wondering whether there are some potential lessons here that we can learn from the pandemic and then apply them to climate change. So despite all the sickness and despite all the death and despite all the grief around us, I'm wondering, hoping, praying, fingers crossed that maybe there can be a silver lining. Now, this week's show notes, you can find them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 117. And let's get right on into part one. Part one, again, is managing the big picture within the confines of our homes. And I wanted to do this. I wanted to have this interview because we are all feeling a number of different feelings, right? We kind of feel that the world has changed and it has. And even though we know that this is all temporary, even though cognitively we know that, it just feels like it's never going to end, right? It feels like forever. So I asked someone much smarter than me to come on the show. Her name is Kathy Stricker. She is a yoga instructor, and she is going to offer her best insight for managing those big picture concerns within our homes. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Kathy. Enjoy. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to discuss all of the big picture implications that COVID-19 is creating for all of us. Please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah, I am a mama of three. I've got a six, three, and... um, seven, almost eight-month-old at home. I am an adamantine yoga teacher, and I own a yoga studio in a small town in Iowa. And I have a podcast called Health Harmony and Happiness with Kathy. And it's all about cultivating those elements in life and how to live with those elements, whether you've um got them in some capacity or not and then how to to create them more to bring them more present into your into your journey i guess towards wellness
0: well it seems to me as though the three topics you discussed on your podcast are especially prevalent right now right health harmony and happiness and in my life personally it seems really the, the health aspect, of course, is uncertain with COVID-19 running rampant. But it's very hard for me, despite all this uncertainty, to remain harmonious and keep that positive, happy attitude. And I wanted to talk to you today because a lot of media outlets and podcasts and articles online are talking about the day-to-day little picture items and those things are very important. Uh, I've clicked on a bunch of those articles but I haven't seen much in the way of how do we deal with the big picture items and there are so many. The ones for me that just stick out in my mind is number one you know how on earth if this goes on through the summer, are my children going to pick up with their academics and not be completely behind? Or, you know, what's going to happen if I get so sick I have to go into the hospital? Who's going to watch my children? So, the big picture items. I'm wondering, how do you stay happy and harmonious during such a time of uncertainty?
1: Yeah, part of it is just having an ongoing practice to ground yourself. Um, And one of the biggest things that I can also say to that, I'll get back to that grounding, is that it's a faith in something bigger than us. So it is uh, some sort of trust that this is the plan and that somebody else has this, or it's in it's in a higher power's hands, if you will. For me, it's God. Um, for others, it may be source, spirit, universal energy. But if we can train ourselves and get in that mindset of moving with the flow, then it alleviates some of the angst of seemingly moving against it and, and running into roadblocks all of the time. So finding some way to ground yourself helps with that, helps encourage that, whether that is incorporating prayer daily um, or, in my case, a yoga practice is what I use. But keeping using those tools then to remind myself that there is a bigger plan and there's a bigger picture than just what's happening to us in this immediate instant.
0: Well, it- You mentioned a couple things there. The first thing is going with the flow. And that is really hard for some people, myself included. (laughs) You know, I like to think I'm in charge and I like to know how long (laughs) – this is going to last. I need to know how long I'm going to be on for. And the fact that there's no end date, <laughs> as silly as that sounds, is really hard for me because if if somebody said, okay, August fifteenth, you know, I'd put my head down and I'd <laughs> I'd truck along until August fifteenth. Right. But you know, that's an arbitrary date. So what Common sense tips? Do you have for people like me whose nature is not to just go with the flow?
1: Yeah, um, you've got to find a practice that allows you to learn that. Which seems like, oh my goodness, where do I even begin? How 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 does that work? How do you how do you look for something in that regard? Um, and that's when you go back to some of those tools that you may be reading about right now. You may be finding, um, whether it's journaling or creating some sort of movement plan. Um, but that's that's where you have to start. It's about taking one day at a time and just looking six feet in front of you. So what can I do today? Um, what can I do right now to remind myself that There is a bigger plan, and I'm not in control. Part of the style of yoga that I teach, um, one of the tenets of it is surrender. And by that, I mean that as you practice adamantine yoga and as you dive into the style of yoga, inevitably things happen in life that you have no control of over and as much as some of us myself included like to be in control of things we all like that we all like to feel like okay i know what's going to happen and right now we're in this time of utter chaos where it's changing every 5 minutes but quite honestly my yoga practice is what has taught me more and more to be able to surrender and to flow to go with the flow um something else is just tuning into your heartbeat, tuning into your breath, and that's a good first step for some people is to just realize when you start to feel that um, anxiety or, or anxiousness maybe coming up in your body where you're feeling out of control, to pause, step away, put your hand on your heart, and just breathe and remind yourself to breathe. Breath is the biggest gauge of who we are in life. If our breath is quick and hurried, that's who we're going to be as people as well. But if it's calm and relaxed, that's who you're going to manifest.
0: I love that. And it also really resonated with me when you mentioned your yoga practice and how that's something that you fall back on in times of stress and uncertainty. It's almost as if it's your foundation. And that made me think about things that I've always fallen back on when times get rough as a way of moving through it, right? Stress and anxiety, they're energies. And Whatever that thing is, whether it's journaling or yoga, or for me, it is running really hard and really fast to get that energy moving and getting it out, there's something to be said for falling back on what has always tended to work for
1: you. Right. I totally agree. And it's a time to lean in to those things that help you feel whole, that help you feel centered and grounded like I was talking about in the beginning it's it's that practice of feeling connected to yourself as well and that's one of the things that some of the stuff we're seeing in the media is talking about they're not phrasing it like that they're phrasing it like hey this is a great time to start working out or um, you know find a yoga practice but what that's doing as a big picture is giving you a tool to Come back to center, to come back to your true self, that place of, oh yeah, I know who this is. This is someone who's been with me as long as I've been alive. This is that child in me who taught me so much. And when we can come back to that true self, that childlike self, that's when we start to actually be able to change perception and realize that there's something else at work.
0: Hmm. I love that. I feel like (laughs) I feel like I'm rip roaring ready to get in touch with my inner child. (laughs) What are your thoughts on the importance of a positive attitude and a positive outlook? I know we hear about how important it is to stay upbeat all the time. But how important are they really? And is it okay to just have a moment of ugly crying?
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh! Absolutely yes. And here's the thing: like, it's not realistic to be happy all the time. It's it's just not. We have to embrace the emotions and the feelings that we do have, and accept them, and be okay with them. Um, it's okay to be angry. It, this is a time when we're going to f- experience a ton of emotions, and so the best thing that you can do is is to say. I am feeling angry right now, and I love it. Acknowledge what you're experiencing. Embrace it and give it time to be in your body. And then from that, allow it to be released. And when you're ready, you'll bring that element of happiness back into your life. But we got to be realistic. It's just not It's not possible any time in our lives to, to think that we're always going to be happy. But to maintain a positive mindset and to be able to get back to that positive mindset when it starts to go out the window is the important thing. So like I said, using the tools that you already have is one way to get back to a positive mindset as well. Um, Just even this afternoon, it started getting a little sketchy at home with the kids home and we were starting to have some meltdowns and the sun came out we went outside and just that little bit of shift in scenery and the fresh air and the sunlight, which is so critical to our, our health and our, our feeling good, um, just changed everything. Everybody came back inside feeling a little bit different. So that energy is all around and being able to to read it and become aware when it does start to be a little bit negative then shift what you're doing so that we can get back into the positive mindset. Hmm.
0: Yeah. So what I'm hearing is do something to get the anxiety, that energy out, and also do something to shift the mood, whether it's change your scenery or change the activity. Um, I love these actionable (laughs) tips that we can all go and take with us into our self-isolation tomorrow. My final question for you has to do with gratitude. And we all know that gratitude is important. But my question for you is, how do we practice it when things are not looking so bright? And I ask that because there are moments in my own home with my own children that I feel like, oh, Things would be so much better if I could have five minutes to myself, or if I could have a day to myself. I would love a day in isolation by myself. But then I think about, well, wait a minute, how much worse could this be if I was alone? And that makes my heart break for everybody who's alone in isolation and lonely. And so I feel as though even in my worst moments when I just kind of force myself to flip the script and see truly that the other side of whatever is bothering me isn't so bright either and feel grateful for my days and whether it's great, whether it's miserable, I just finding that silver lining really helps me. So what are your thoughts on gratitude even when it's not looking so great?
1: (laughs) Yeah, you hit on a lot of stuff there and that's fantastic. Gratitude is also a tenant of adamantine yoga. So that's another one that we learn and we practice on the mat or inevitably from practicing and being consistent with my yoga practice. It teaches me also gratitude for times like this. Um, But the other way that I really embrace gratitude in my life is through a gratitude journal. And I know that that's kind of a cliche response because it's, they're out there and a lot of people recommend that and say that, but even just pulling three things from your day that you're grateful for, they don't have to be positive things, but like you mentioned, like, wow, I'm grateful that I have my family and my kids and that I can't be alone even when I want to be. Um, when you start to feel that tug of being ungrateful and, and angst coming up then to wherever you are, just think of those three things or write three things down that you're grateful for thus far that day, it can change perception as well. Kathy, I want to thank
0: you so much for coming on the show and offering some real solid tips. I love conversations, but even more than conversations, I love conversations that give actionable advice. So thank you so much for all of it. Where can my listeners find you online?
1: Yeah. My website is com. That's C-A-I-R-N yoga wellness.com. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram at the same. Thank you so much, Kathy. You're
0: welcome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed Kathy's insight. And I just want to add a little bit more insight of my own. After speaking with Kathy and recording that interview, I read an article about dealing with the tough emotions that coronavirus brings up. And the article mentioned the concept of gang of feelings, right? Which essentially is the idea that we sometimes prevent, we sometimes try to prevent ourselves from actually feeling the yucky emotions we're feeling because we think that if we open the floodgates a little bit, a gang of feelings will just come rushing in. And we think that we'll always feel sad. It'll never go away. We'll be overrun by this gang of feelings. But the truth is that feelings, just like we talked about in the interview, just like anxiety, they're energies and we can feel them and then they can move on. So there's no gang of negative feelings out to get us. And if we're feeling sadness or anger or grief or anxiety right now, feeling the feelings will allow us to keep going. Now, speaking of grief, we're moving right into part two of today's show. Elizabeth Kubler Ross and David Kessler famously outlined the five stages of grief, which, of course, are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. But David Kessler has since suggested a sixth stage to grief, which is meaning. Now, as someone who loves my bigger home deeply, as someone who loves Earth deeply, I wonder whether meaning can be found when we examine the coronavirus pandemic through the lens of planet Earth. First and foremost, how has worldwide social isolation impacted the planet so far? Well, the cloud of nitrogen dioxide that was parked over China, particularly Beijing, in January, evaporated in February. And in Italy, Venice's notoriously murky canals have cleared so much that you can now see fish in the water. And finally... There has been a 10% drop in carbon dioxide over New York, and there has been a solid drop in methane levels as well. Carbon dioxide and methane, of course, are air pollutants, but they're also greenhouse gases. Now, the coronavirus pandemic and the climate crisis both have something major in common, which is that they are problems of exponential growth against a limited capacity to cope. So in the case of the coronavirus, right, the danger is the number of viruses will overrun our healthcare systems. And with climate change, the danger is that emissions growth will overwhelm our ability to manage all the droughts and all the floods and all the wildfires and all the other extreme events that come with a warming climate. The stories of the coronavirus pandemic and climate change are both about threats to humanity. And they both have this exact same plot structure. They just have different timelines. So coronavirus is an immediate threat, whereas the climate catastrophe seems somewhere far off in the future. It is early in this pandemic, but already the way I view it, the way I choose to view it is that the pandemic has taught us three really important lessons. The first one, which by far, in my view, is the most important lesson, is that our response to climate catastrophe has to seem disproportionate to the threat. So the virus has shown us that if we wait until we can see the impact, it's too late. It's going to be the same with climate catastrophe. If we wait until we see the impact, it will be too late to do anything about it. The second lesson is that many, many jobs can be done remotely. Many more jobs than we ever thought that could be done remotely actually can be done remotely. So I predict a lot more workers working remotely well past this pandemic's end. And I anticipate companies to shut down their offices as well and just have a remote workforce. I predict that there will be a fall in business travel too because this pandemic has taught companies that you can get as much done in a video meeting as you can in an in-person one. Finally, the third lesson that this pandemic has already taught us is that it is imperative that all of us, every single one of us, use this quiet time to determine what parts of a normal and hectic life are worth rushing back to we need to ask ourselves some difficult questions, including, do we want to go back to the status quo, especially after what we now know? Or do we collectively want something different? Now this week's show notes, you can find them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 117. I wanted to say that I've been hearing from an awful lot of you lately, and I absolutely love it. Because getting your messages really connects me to all of you. So if you have been meaning to write to me, now is the time. You can find me on social media or shoot me an email through the podcast website. If it takes me a couple days to get back to you, don't fret. I do my absolute best to get back to everybody. So write to me and I will respond. (laughs) Now is also the perfect time to leave this podcast a review. So if you have been listening for a while and have received benefit from the show, from this labor of love, really, please consider taking the 60 seconds to rate and review. iTunes and Stitcher have rate and review offerings. I know that Spotify and Google Podcasts do not. So if you listen on iTunes, or if you listen on Stitcher, or if you listen on any place that allows you to rate and review, I would greatly appreciate you taking the time, and thank you. On next week's show, we are discussing all things menstrual cups. I know, how exciting. We are specifically talking about what Australia is doing to make sure that students are informed about all the reusable product options on the market. So nothing about coronavirus next week. I'll give you a little break. (laughs) Have a wonderful week. Stay healthy and stay home. Take care.
1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar.